Hey, this is Coach Shea with Alpha Girl Soccer Academy, and welcome to the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast Show, where we aim to inspire, empower, and positively impact female athletes. On today's episode of the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast, I talked to Derek Lipton, who is the founder of Full Circle Nutrition. Derek is a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. Derek specializes in working with soccer players and is open to working with players both in person and online. I've included a link in the show notes below for you to connect with Derek at the end of the episode. In this episode, Derek provides very specific action steps for players to take in order to improve performance and overall health. So whether you're a parent or a player listening to this episode, be ready to take notes. All right, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Derek. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast. Today, we are going to interview Derek Lipton, the founder of Full Circle Nutrition. Derek, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing well. So I've been really excited to interview you. Um, I know we just talked about you're my first uh, guest on the show, so I'm excited to continue to do these kinds of interviews. Um, But I'm excited to talk to you in particular because... You know, I'm super passionate about helping kids, you know, with their performance, and I know nutrition is a huge part of it. Um, So give us a little backstory, a little background of you and why you are so passionate about helping athletes with their nutrition. Um, All right, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up playing sports. My main sports were uh, soccer and baseball. And, um, you know, just growing up, I always, you know, wanted to play in college. Um, Got a couple, like, small college offers for soccer, but decided just to go to a bigger school. and then later in my high school career, I started to realize, you know, the impact that fitness can have on you. Um, mm-hmm. I was always one of the smaller players. And then after my junior year, I started really like working out and taking care of my nutrition a little bit better. And, you know, I got a lot stronger and I noticed that during my senior year. Um, so that really, you know, sparked my interest in nutrition and wanting to work with athletes. And then another thing was also, you know, um, back my sophomore year of high school, I had a stress fracture mm. and you know, I played through it cause I didn't really like understand it. Um, but then that kind of limited me afterward and they kind of never fully recovered from that. And basically stress fractures happen from, you know, overtraining and undernutrition. And I realized now that, you know, I, re- I really wasn't eating enough or eating the right foods mm. and that probably played a critical role in that injury. And, you know, you just never know what might happen with my career if that never happened. So right. it's, you know, if I can help athletes now, you know, not only feel better for performance, but prevent those injuries, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a big thing. Um, so yeah, so that's what really got me into nutrition. So yeah, I studied in college, did the internship, um, grad school, and then like other advanced certifications. And then I got some practice and experience working at the college level. I worked at university of Georgia for a year. And then I worked with the men's soccer team at Duke last mm-hmm. fall, doing all their hydration, nutrition needs, meal planning. Um, it was really a great experience. They learned a lot from me. I learned a lot from them. And then that's when I decided to you know, open up my practice and help high school athletes trying to play at that level. And as college athletes too, trying to, you know, perform better in college and then play pro as well. Awesome. So that's awesome. You worked with Duke uh, soccer team. That's huge. What was, you would say like your, the, the number one, what was your favorite part of working with them? And what was your like biggest challenge or the challenge that you think that the college athletes struggled with the most? My favorite part was just being part of the team. They really took me in, you know, I was at all the practices, all the home games, um, got to go on a couple of away games too. And they just really embraced me as part of the team. A lot of time, the, a lot of times the sports dietitian is kind of just 
you know, they're there, they work in multiple teams and they're, they kind of just show up, but um, they really let me be part of the team and, and took me in. So that was great. Just being part of that camaraderie because all the coaches, all the players, they were super nice. And one of the biggest challenges with college athletes is their schedules. Mm. They don't have time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It, you know, you wake up at 6am for a workout mm. then you go to class and then you're 20 minutes for lunch and you go to practice and you study, then dinner then study. And you got to get to sleep early because you mm-hmm. wake up early again. Yes. Um, so it's a matter of, you know, them, you know, trying to work with them to fit in meals and snacks within their schedule. And also if they need to meet with you one-on-one, it's, it's really hectic because, all right, you have 20 minutes right now. Okay. Let's, let's meet. Um, so it gets kind of crazy there, but yeah, I would just say the, the challenges of balancing, you know, being a student, having a social life and then being a full-time athlete um, and working around that is really challenging. So did you work mainly like with the team as a whole or did you kind of meet with them on a one-on-one basis as well? So I met with the team as a whole. So, you know, I'd be at practices and then, you know, help with hydration. Um, and then I would do like quick, we call them team talks. So it's like a two minute presentation at the end of practice just to talk about stuff. Um, and then, you know, put handouts around the locker room. Then there were certain players that I worked with one-on-one, um, you know, some players needed to gain weight. Um, or their energy was lacking, um, or they're, you know, certain players, you know, if they're juniors or seniors and they're really trying to get ready to go pro, um, really helping them boost their nutrition to get through the rest of the season and then get ready for the MLS combine coming up. Um, so it's a lot of that, but yeah, there's, there's not really a whole lot of one-on-ones in the college setting just because they they don't have time. Right. And that's where that, those education pieces come in. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of kids to manage too. If it was, yeah. you know, one-on-one, like you know, what 30 kids are on a roster about. So. Yeah. I mean, the time, I mean, I had time for it. it was, they mm-hmm. didn't have time really. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I know as a college athlete, it's like yeah, it's crazy. one thing after another. Um, all right, cool. So let's get into a little bit about tournament nutrition and fueling. So I know I talked about this on my podcast um, mm-hmm. weeks ago, but I'm in no means am I an expert on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, so when this, when we uh, put out this episode, it'll be like the end of July. So okay. I know there's still going to be some tournaments going on. Um, and then of course, there's going to be tournaments going on all year over the fall. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, the timing of meals. What should athletes focus on eating? What should they focus on avoiding and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so I actually listened to your podcast about the tournament fuel and, and, and it was really good. Um, you touched on a lot of great points. Uh, what they need to, you know, focus on, you know, the hydration, the eating between meals. Um, just a couple of things I would have would add to that too is um, one. I, you mentioned something about diluting Gatorade because um, all the sugar, but Gatorade is actually Gatorade and Powerade actually formulated perfectly for athletes. Um, mm-hmm. There's less sugar in them than juice, yeah. so there's actually no need to dilute it because it's okay. not going to you know give you a sugar rush or dehydrate you or anything like that. So. Um, the only reason to dilute it is if you have trouble tolerating it. Right. Um, so okay. like sometimes large quantities can be tolerating. Um, so that's where diluting it helps. And then the other thing was, um, yeah, the balance between of meals between games. Um, you definitely want to get a little bit of protein in there, but um, the emphasis really is on carbs. Mm-hmm. Because carbs are what fuel, fuel you during the game. And if you have, you know, if you eat too much protein too close to a game or just in general, mm-hmm. what happens is it, it breaks down and can kind of make you feel a little bit more fatigued actually when it breaks down into your blood. Um, but that's not to say have no protein. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, carbs are your, your emphasis. And the ba- the main thing with tournaments is, you know, basically between games eat every hour. That's the simplest way to put it. Um, so if 
done. And it varies a little bit based on size, but um, you're going to want to aim for about like a gram a kilogram per kilogram, right? So for the average, you know, youth soccer player, that's probably anywhere from 50 to 60 grams of carbs every hour. So that's, you know, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, that's, you know, a banana and a granola bar. Um, and these are good because you also get the nutrients from them. Um, but the biggest thing with tournaments, again, is um, they're not normal, basically. And you're <laughs> you're going to miss out on calories because if you have two or three games in a day, you usually miss lunch. And breakfast is probably small as well because you're starting early. So the biggest thing you got to do is the rest of the week has to be taken care of. Um, so you can't skip out on snacks and meals, you know, on Monday through Friday, because if you fall behind during the week, you're never going to catch up on the weekend. Um, and with that said, starting around, you know, Friday lunch or Friday dinner, you want to eat a little bit more. So have a little bit bigger dinner and a little bit bigger night, night snack. And what that does is it kind of gives you a head start on those nutrients. Um, so as you burn through them on Saturday and Sunday, you, you know, you have that in store so you can, you're not getting fatigued. Um, and then at night for dinner on the weekends, that's where you can really make up for the, the calories that you didn't get during the day. So have a big dinner at night. Um, what I usually tell my athletes is, so if it's a Saturday, Sunday tournament, Saturday night dinner, you know, make it big, but make it healthy. So, you know, try to stay away from like the burgers and fries and things like that, but you know, maybe like chicken sandwich and you know, some vegetables or pasta and rice. Um, because you don't want all those bad fats creating inflammation, which is going to slow you down on Sunday. Right. So you want the calories and you want to be healthy and you want to get some more snacks after that. Then Sunday night, do what you want for dinner. <laughs> Have fun with it. Have that bacon cheeseburger with fries because at that point you need the calories. You need to replace the calories you burn during the day. Um, you know, you don't have a game the next day. So a little acute inflammation is not going to hurt you. And the biggest thing is they're kids, right? <laughs> Everyone, you know, you don't want to eat perfectly healthy, all 21 meals every week. Um, so enjoy, enjoy the food. You can afford it at that point. Absolutely. So, you know, Saturday night dinner, healthy Sunday night, um, do what you want. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. So what would you say? All right. So let's, let's give our listener a scenario. So let's say, um, it's Saturday morning. Um, they have a game at 9am and then we'll say they have another game at 2pm. So that's what three hours about in between games. Um, so take us through, like, just give us a few sample meals. So starting from, uh, breakfast before the first game. So starting from that, going into between the two games and going into Saturday night dinner, give us kind of our listener, like some concrete meals that they could have that would fuel them, you know, for the whole day. Mm, okay. Yeah. So 9am game, you're there at, let's say 8, 8, 15 to warm up. So you're not going to have a big breakfast because you don't, unless you're waking up at 5 a.m. or, mm. or 6 a.m., you really can't have that massive breakfast. So let's say you wake up at 7. That's two hours before the game. That's a good time to digest. So it's going to be something light. So let's go with, you know, a bagel, like a white bagel and a couple egg whites. Um, or even if you find the eggs a little bit too hard to tolerate, even just a bagel and cream cheese or, you know, a little bit of Greek yogurt. Um so, and if you need that smaller breakfast, that's where the Friday night dinner needs to be a little bit bigger. But yeah, right. something light there to get in your stomach, give you some energy, but doesn't weigh you down. Yeah. Um, and then maybe shortly before the game, like right after warm-ups, get a little bit more quick carbs. So 
You could do like gels and chews or banana or pretzels, something like that just to kind of top off your store. And then right after the game, so nine o'clock game, it ends at, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30, because the tournament right. games are a little bit shorter. Right. Um, and so right away you want to get something. So let's say, let's start with the protein shake. So the, you know, the Gatorade nutrition shakes, core powers, even Nesquik, something that's carbs and protein in it. Gotcha. Get that in you right away. And then, so let's say that's, that's at 10 30, then 11 30 or 12, you're going to have lunch. Um, and so let's say some, something simple, right? Like a turkey sandwich, mm-hmm. uh, throw a little veggies on there. And then let's, you know, have a piece of fruit with that, like a, an apple or an orange. Um, try to stay away from like the fried chips. Um, and then, so that's, so that's 11.30 or 12. And then, you know, you're going to warm up at one. So shortly before warmups, let's go with, you know, like a, a protein bar, a granola bar, like a cliff bar. Those are, those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that's at, um, let's, let's say that's like 1245. And then you go to warm ups and the game's at two. So around 145, 150, that quick carb snack again. So okay. pretzels, bananas, something like that. And, um, and that's a pretty easy scenario because there actually is a lot of time between games there. Right. Some tournaments, you know, they got, um, you know, two hours between games and that's where it's just, mm-hmm. you know, a sandwich definitely isn't going to fit in. Um, so yeah. that varies, but yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty good scenario there. Then again, after that second game, let's get one, another one of those little protein drinks. Um, and then another snack, maybe like you get back to the hotel or you get home, have another snack. Um, and then you go to dinner later. Cool. So you said, you know, if you did have two hours, you said a sandwich would probably be too much. So what, so is that just because, you know, you don't, they're not going to have time to digest that big of a meal. Um, give us some ideas for like some yeah, smaller snacks, that, maybe like protein shake and some carbs or, or what? Yeah. And, and everyone's a little bit different because you can top, some people tolerate it a little bit better, but then there's also the fact that you might tolerate it, but it's still slowing down nutrient absorption. And then you're, so you're not getting that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you have exactly two hours and you're, you're able to eat like a turkey sandwich right after that first game, then you'll digest it in time and that's fine. But if you're playing, you know, a game, a 90 minute game in the 90 degree heat, you, chances are you don't have the appetite to eat a sandwich right after it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to take an hour or so to get your appetite back. So that's why the liquids are good. So that's where, yeah, like one of those protein drinks again, right after, and then an hour later, something carb based. So again, like cliff bar fruit, um, something like that. But yeah. Um, you want to stay away from heavy protein, like too much protein, about like 60 to 90 minutes before a game. Okay. So here's a question that, so I was just at a tournament a few weekends ago and they have kind of some food trucks and smoothie trucks and whatever it is. So I saw so many kids walking around with these big giant smoothies. And I know that those smoothies are not going to be like hundred percent real fruit smoothies. Like I know they're probably packed with sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that players should really try to avoid or maybe just in very small amounts? What do you think? Um, honestly, it's not too bad. Um, it, re- it really depends if it's very high in sugar, then it might give them like that big spike and crash. Okay. Um, if it's all natural fruit sugar and maybe a little bit of added sugar in there, really not too bad. Cause it plays a big role in that immediate recovery. Actually, okay. you know, the, the sugar gets, well, it doesn't really need to break down, so it's immediately absorbed in the bloodstream, restores those muscles, and, and all that. But so it's yeah, it really depends on how much sugar is really in them. Okay, so uh, what I'm getting from this is when you're in a tournament, when you're playing, it's not really like 
too, there's no such thing as too much sugar necessarily. Like they need that sugar to replace those stores. Is that correct? Well, there's such thing as too much. Yeah. Because if they drink more than they need to replace their stores, then, then it sits in the bloodstream and you get that spike in blood sugar and then the rapid drop. So, but they but, can't um, have more than just a normal day saying just right well, yeah yeah because they burn through so much during that game okay awesome yeah. um anything on tournaments you think that the players should know what do you like anything that, else that, about that we game? haven't talked about oh yeah um i think no it's pretty much it yeah that's the overall nutrition and hydration during the week um and then some you know, that, that big dinner at night and then eating between games. Okay. Uh, and then there's hydration strategies, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit yeah. later. Anyway. Yeah, so we'll hit that later. That. Cool. So let's get into a little bit more of the, I don't know if saying science is the right word, but more of the nutrients. So yeah. macros, so carbs, protein, fat, stuff like that. Let's get into a little bit more of why carbs and protein specifically are so important uh, to fuel performance. Um so just get into a little bit of that and why, you know, those two macronutrients. And also, if you want to talk about fat too, and talk about when is fat good, when is fat not so good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all three macronutrients are great. Um, fats, you got your unsaturated and your saturated. So like your unsaturated, the good fats. So um, like in nuts and seeds, um, you know, olive oil, avocado, th- those are healthy fats. But then like, you know, greasy burgers and fried foods, you get the unhealthy fats. Um, but the, the good fats, they play a role in reducing inflammation um, and then, you know, protecting your cells um, and then vitamin absorption. And then fat, in, like stored fat in your body is used for energy at low intensities. So during a soccer game, actually, you know, o- over 70% of the game is spent at very, very low intensities, like walking, jogging, standing. Right. And then the other 30% is, you know, very fast. So it's, you know, for a lot of game, yeah, you're burning through some of those fat stores, but you're not doing much. So during that other 30%, it's quick bursts where you need carbs. So if you don't eat enough carbs, then you're relying on fat for energy and it's hard to get through those quick bursts during the rest of the game. Um, so that's where that balance comes in. Um, so yeah, so carbs are great. They, you know, you want some right before you play. So they're kind of in your bloodstream, ready to go. Um, but then you also pull from you know, your liver and your muscles. Um, they store carbs uh, in the form of glycogen, but not getting a little sciencey now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's just say they, your muscles and your liver store the carbs, and they they pull from there to give you energy during those high intensities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so that's the basis of that, and that's why you want a good amount of those as an athlete. Protein is you know it's not an energy source it can be used as one but we don't want it to be used as one mm-hmm. um protein is for muscle building for strength development and then you know some other functions as well mm-hmm. um what i see a, with a lot of uh, young female athletes is almost a, a fear of carbs and actually a fear of protein so the fear of carbs is you know carbs are going to make me fat <laughs> yeah so i'll put this out there right there if you eat you're eating carbs to fuel your performance. And as long as you're not eating more calories than you burn, then they're not going to make you fat. And as a soccer player, you're, you're so active. It's very unlikely that it's going to happen mm-hmm. unless you're like downing, you know, sugary sodas all day. Yeah. Yeah. And then the protein, this, um, I mean, I saw this with a lot of my college athletes, the, the female athletes I worked with in college is they were afraid to drink a protein shake after a workout because they didn't want to bulk up and like use those exact words. 
And protein, like I said, it, it plays a huge role in muscle growth and development, recovery, strength, and all that. But if you drink a protein shaker after a workout, but the rest of your calories for the day are at a maintenance level, meaning you take in roughly as much as you burn, mm-hmm. you're not going to put on a big amount of muscle. So you won't bulk up. Okay. So um, it, it's, a, it's a very big myth. It's very common with, you know, with the female athlete population. So I just, yeah, I just want to put that out there because yeah, I know you work predominantly with uh, girl soccer players. So um, don't shy away from that protein shake. It's not going to bulk you up. What it's going to do is help you recover from those workouts, get physically stronger, so you perform better at each game. Like, let's get into bulking a little bit. So, yeah, because I know that's a huge myth, whether it's with, with athletes or just with, you know, people in general are worried about, well, like we'll say women in general are worried about bulking up. But what does it really, really take for someone to get like jacked, like super bulked up? Like it takes a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of work. It takes good genetics as well. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of body composition is genetics. Um, and then you'll hear some people complain about that because they'll feel like people are using it as an excuse. But, um, you know, genetics play a large role in body composition. It plays a role in how much muscle you can put on, uh, how easily you put fat on and where you put that fat. Um, but yeah, in terms of bulking up, what you need to do is you need to really be lifting hard to, the, to induce, you know, muscle growth. You need to get adequate carbs, adequate protein to facilitate the muscle synthesis and growth. And you also need what's called a caloric surplus. So if you're through all your activities, if you're burning 2,500 calories a day and you eat 3000 calories a day, that's about a pound a week that you would put on. And that's, and also think of how muscle isn't that much. So to really bulk up over time, that would take a lot. So one protein shake after each workout is not going to, you know, make you bulk up. Right. Absolutely. Or else you would see, you know, <laughs> a lot of guys being very big, right? Yeah. I mean, you see it with like women CrossFitters, like they're big, but they work their butt off to get there. Like they're right. eating a ton. They're lifting probably two hard sessions a day. Yeah. So it's just like kids, I mean, people in general need to realize it. It takes a whole lot of work to bulk up. So it's, so speaking of other myths, what are some big other myths like nutrition wise? Cause I feel like nutrition is such like a, a field where, where it's so the information is all over the place. Like it depends who you listen to, what you look up on the internet, like you can hear a million different things. It's like, what other big myths do you think there are? And, you know, I guess myths that are hurting people's, you know, mindset and performance. Uh, well, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Give me like top, top few that come to your, your mind first. The biggest one that comes to my mind is, you know, when someone says you need to eat one gram per pound a day of protein. Okay. And that's so generalized. Um, first of all, protein recommendations are actually based by kilogram. That's just how we learn them. Yes. So, um, so one gram per pound would be 2.2 grams per kilogram, right? Mm-hmm. An athlete needs anywhere from 1.2 to 2.0 grams per kilogram. So it's under a gram per pound. Okay. Um, and the only time you need a little bit more than that is if you're really trying to lose weight um, while like, you know, cutting calories. But in terms of youth athletes, we don't really work on that because we don't really want to promote weight loss when they're yeah. so young like that. Um, and what happens is if an athlete follows that and they're eating – if they try to hit that goal, what's going to happen is they're actually going to exceed it because we don't realize certain foods that have a lot of protein in them. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you end up either just eating too many calories or you don't eat enough carbs. 
and then carbs are our fuel. So now you're, you're lacking energy. And then you start to break down that protein for energy, which creates acidity in the blood, which makes you feel your muscles feel fatigued more easily. So you, you eat this high protein diet and you're lacking energy during, you know, practices and games. Okay. So that's, that's probably one of the biggest myths that's out there. Um, and then there's some of the other extreme ones that, you know, no one should eat dairy, no one should eat gluten. And that's just, I, I don't know where people get these claims from, but yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel like, like I said, I'm not an expert, but I feel like everyone is just, everybody's body is so different. Right. There's not one best diet for, for everybody. Like, I, I don't know what it depends on, but I feel like everybody's so different. So it just kind of is, you know, do what works for you. What makes you feel the best? What makes you perform the best? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, every, that's the beauty of nutrition. It's, it's so individualized. And, um, and that's, and that's what I do when I work with athletes is I, you know, I personalize it to them. So I don't, you know, just have some custom meal plan temp, template, I don't have like a set of supplements that I recommend to everyone. Cause I mean, I always try to do a food first approach. So right. only certain supplements may be needed. Um, and, and that, yeah, it's just, it's so individualized. And then, yeah, I even have people ask me like, what do you do when you meet one-on-one with an athlete? And it's always hard to give an answer to that because I mean, sometimes it's straightforward. We go through your food log and we say, all right, let's make some changes here, here, and here, try this out and all that. And other times it's all right, we, we spent 20 minutes talking about, you know, when to eat and how to, how to do this. And maybe you need supplements and mm-hmm. how does this fit into that routine or, you know, how do you prevent injuries? So it, it always, it's always, um, it's always different, which is nice. Yeah. So I know we talked a lot about, you know, fueling for performance, but what about just during the week? So let's say it's the school year, they have school and then they have a, maybe an hour or two and then they have practice. So what can a player do if a player's really like, like motivated to dial in their nutrition and be healthier, like what are some ways that they can, can achieve that in like a practical way? Like give them some advice, foods to stay away from, foods to eat. Um, should they track their food? Should they track their calories? What should they do to kind of just have more of a healthy lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is something I work on with a lot because um, during the school year, it's really hard for high school, and middle school athletes to keep track of their nutrition, um, mainly because they start so early. So, you know, it's, it's hard to get a good breakfast. And then sometimes lunch is super early, which is you know, makes it hard <laughs> too. In terms of tracking calories, I don't really recommend that for a lot of young athletes. Um, maybe as they get older, like, you know, by like 16, 17 years old. But um, at, the, at a younger age, what it does, it just kind of, it, it gets them too fixated on food. Sure. And when you get too fixated on everything you eat, it can start to have negative effects on it, um, leading to potentially, you know, disordered eating patterns mm-hmm. down the road. And that's really something we don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keeping track of your nutrition, paying attention to it is great. Um, so instead of, but yeah, there's no need to track like calories. Um, instead, what they should do is, you know, keep, an, like, keep a mental log of what they eat and how their energy is, how they feel during practices um, and track of their weight. Um, and then for female athletes, um, if, you know, if they hit menarche already, um, so, you know, they started menstruation and then that stops at some point, that's mm-hmm. a sign of underfueling. And, um, that's, it's pretty common in, um, female athletes, especially, you know, uh, gymnastics, soccer, um, you know, sports that a lot of times require, you know, some kind of leanness or, you know, a lot of intense activity. 
So that's, as a female athlete, that's the biggest sign that you're not eating enough. Um, and then male athletes, it's just, you know, obviously, again, you can pay attention to your energy. If you notice injuries, muscle tears, weakness, things like that, then, then there's things you need to change. And in terms of trying to prevent those things from happening, yeah, make sure you have a good breakfast, whether it's planning ahead. So mm-hmm. if, if you know you're not a breakfast eater and you don't want to wake up early, um, but you need a lot of calories, the night before, make like a peanut butter and jelly on a bagel. And then you can eat that on your way to school. And that's a, that's a pretty decent breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. You can have some Greek yogurt with that. You know, you don't have to wake up early and, and make eggs and make it an oatmeal, right? It's planning ahead. And then bringing snacks with you to school. I know there's limitations. Some classes you can't eat in, you can't eat in the hallway. Um, but if maybe some teachers will let you. And it could be simple, you know, some fruit, protein bars, um, you know, stuff that's non-perishable. So you can't really bring like yogurt, but um, but nuts, peanut butter sandwiches, things like that. Have some good protein, healthy fats. They'll keep you full and give you that energy. Because if you're relying on just breakfast and early lunch, and then maybe a small snack after school, which even a lot of athletes don't do, then you go into practice at four or five o'clock. And I mean, you can't give it your all. Um, You might feel like you can because it's what you're used to. And that's the problem is, you know, athletes don't, realize that they're underfueled yeah um, and coaches can realize it sometimes but yeah like for me that's like one of my biggest frustrations and I can always tell so if a player comes to practice or comes to our training after school and they kind of walk up looking tired the first thing I ask them is did you eat like did you have a good lunch did you have a snack after school and most of the time it's like yeah I had lunch you know at 11 or 12 yeah. you know they had a sandwich and some chips but then they didn't eat anything after and it drives me nuts because I, I like beat it into their head. Hey, you have to eat before practice. You have to prepare. You have to plan. So what are some like, do you have any advice basically for me to like be able to like get it into my player's head that they need to start, um, you know, preparing and planning because without it, they just don't have energy. So what strategies do you have? One, maybe for a coach mm-hmm. and two, for a player, just some easy strategies for them to to follow so that they can, you know, be prepared ahead of time. Right. Um, a lot of that, it depends on the specific player. Um, if it's one that, you know, is really motivated to play at that next level, just use pro examples. Like um, say like, do you think Alex Morgan goes into training session without eating? Right. Yeah. What, what like youth girl soccer player is going to be like, I, I don't want to be like Alex Morgan. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, just use that. And I mean, I don't know her exact nutrition plan, but I'm sure. <laughs> She doesn't go five hours without eating going into a training session. Um, and, you know, it makes a big difference. And then other things are say, hey, try this. You know, when you come to my, our next training session, have, um, you know, try like a, an, an apple with a little bit of peanut butter before or try some cereal like an hour before you come. And mm-hmm. let's see how your energy is. Do you notice it? A lot of my athletes, you know, when they don't eat much and then I build them that plan to eat better and I fall two weeks later and they're like, yeah, my energy is so much better during my workouts now. Like okay. I've had uh, some athletes say like, yeah, like added like 15 or 20 pounds to my bench press. Um, just because oh. like, my energy is like better and stuff like that. And it, it makes a huge difference. So that's one way is if they need to visually see it and you just gotta say, Hey, try it. Yeah. And then just give them those, yeah, those little examples or those little um, ideas say like, yeah, just, I mean, it doesn't have to be complex. Just you got home from school, you're coming to training in about an hour and a half, have a bowl of cereal. 
We'll see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love cereal, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> staple of a college athlete. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely was my staple. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So let's get into as you're taking your drink. Let's get into hydration. We know we kind of talked about it a little bit. We know how important it is. Let's talk about hydration in terms of performance, and then hydration just in terms of general life functions. Like, how can we, um, how can players keep track of their hydration, and how much should water or liquid, I guess we could say, how much water should they be consuming on a daily basis? Yeah. So hydration is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, I don't know if, if anyone looks at my like Instagram and Twitter, you'll see it's just a lot of different posts about hydration. You'd be surprised how much there's talk about it. Um, but it, I mean, it's just so important and it gets overlooked because for the, I mean, unless you're drinking Gatorade and stuff, you know, it's not direct energy. It's not calories. So we don't think about that in our daily lives, but it does, it does give us energy mm-hmm. and it prevents injuries. Um, for instance, cramps, right. Um, the general rule of thumb is, you know, take your weight in pounds, divide it in half. And that's how many ounces, um, of water you should drink throughout the day. So half an ounce per pound, right? And that's in addition to sweat loss. So if you're, you know, if you're not training that day, then, you know, half an ounce per pound. Um, but if you're training right inside, outside in the heat, it's, you know, it's good to measure that. Um, now it's hard to measure how much you lose from sweat. So one good thing to do is, you know, weigh yourself before and after a training session. Um, obviously drink throughout, try to, you know, if you can every 10, 20 minutes, take a few gulps. Um, and then, then again, weigh yourself before and after. If you lost a pound during that training session, um, you didn't lose a pound of fat. You lost a pound of water. Yeah. Um, so you want to replace that with about 24 ounces of fluid because, you know, 16 ounces is a pound. Um, but then you count for, like, urinary losses. So that's why you go mm-hmm. 24 ounces. Okay. And that helps keep you back on hydration. Um, so that's one good way to do it. If you don't weigh yourself before and after, you can use averages. Um, for a soccer player in the heat, it's anywhere from one to two liters per hour, um, okay. of sweat loss. So again, that's hard to track. And the important thing about hydration is it's not just water. Um, one question I got a lot with my soccer players, um, was, can you be overhydrated? And they kind of meant it as a joke, but the answer is yes. <laughs> if you, if you are a very heavy sweater and you lose a lot of electrolytes. So if you notice like your uniform getting like these white stains on it, that's salt. Okay. Um, so if you lose that, you lose that salt and then you just replace it with water, that salt concentration gets low yes. and that's what leads to, it's called hyponatremia. So the basic signs of it, you know, you get cramps, you know, tightness, potential injury risk, but and then at some, in severe cases, you can, you know, you start to feel dizzy, you can pass out. Um, so it can get serious. Like if you're training, if you're two or three hours outside in the 95 degree humidity, um, I, mean, I know it doesn't get too humid in California, but um, even still with the heat, yeah. you're losing a lot of electrolytes. And if you only replace it with water, then you can get close to that, okay. um, you know, dangerous risk. So that's the important thing is, you know, if you're outside for more than, if you're training for more than an hour, then that's when you want to drink Gatorade as well. Okay. And then, um, so that's just general, uh, recommendations for hydration throughout the week. And then specific game day recommendations are, are key as well, Be- because especially with soccer, since it's hard to, you know, hydrate during the game because you don't get as many breaks, mm-hmm. it's your hydration coming into it. So, you know, every night, you know, make sure you're going to bed well hydrated, you wake up and you drink. And then four hours before the game, 
you want to, you know, like I said, everything's in kilograms. So, um, you know, five to seven milliliters per kilogram. Um, and that's how much water you want to drink about four hours before the game. Okay. Then two hours later, if, if you're still dehydrated, which you could tell by either, you know, if you can't go to the bathroom or if your urine is very dark mm-hmm. and you're dehydrated, you're going to want to drink about another three to five milliliters per kilogram. Okay. And then about 15 minutes before the game. So let's say, you know, you just finished warmups or you're getting to the lighter portion of warmups. Um, you want to drink, you know, around eight milliliters per, per kilogram. Um, if that's a lot, you can go maybe five to eight milliliters per kilogram of, you know, Gatorade or Powerade. Okay. And it's important that it's, you know, one of those sports drinks, not just water. Cause they found that doing that actually, you know, significantly increases, you know, passing accuracy, shooting power, shooting accuracy wow. during the game, which awesome. as soccer players, obviously important yeah. and then cool. continue hydrating throughout the game as best as you can um i know i when i played it was really hard to tolerate um gatorade while i played um so i understand you know if you don't want to drink too much of it during the game but during halftime do your best to replace with that not water um because again they also found that you know re- rehydrating with a sports drink versus water late in the game actually led to better, you know, again, uh, accuracy, okay. decision-making, and overall energy. And you see a lot of games, a goal scored in the last 10, 15 minutes. Right. Um, and so you want your energy, you know, if, you, if you're taking in those electrolytes and those carbs and your opponent isn't, you're going to score. They're not. That's probably one of the simplest ways to put it, right? Um, so so hydration is really important, but it's not just drinking, but it's what you're drinking. Mm-hmm. So what about like, so I know Gatorade just came out with Gatorade zeros. So what are your thoughts on those, you know, those zero, no sugar sports drinks? Um, I mean, those are great to drink throughout the day if you want, uh, if you want those extra electrolytes. Um, during a game, it, I mean, they're okay, but you want those carbs because mm-hmm. you're burning through those carbs, you want to replace them. But say you, you just liked it better and you find that it sits better but you find that, you know, eating a banana at halftime or some kind of carb-based snack at halftime works better for you, and mm-hmm. you do that plus get a zero, then that's fine because you get both. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's perfectly fine. No. Okay, cool. And then it's something you just said now is had, you said had a banana at halftime, and I was thinking about this earlier is like when, when we played when I was in college, we always had snacks at halftime. So we had, you know, gummies, we had grapes, bananas, even some chocolate. So would you suggest something like that? Because I feel like it always helped me. Like I always would have, you know, like a pack of gummies or something at halftime. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it gave me a little extra boost. So is that something you would recommend for players to, you know, bring some snacks for halftime? Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, yeah, at, at Duke during halftime in the locker room, you know, um, me and like the athletic trainers, we'd walk around with the Gatorade chews, some gummies, um, and like the Gatorade fuel bars and, you know, offer them and say, hey, like, you know, sometimes players just didn't want them at all um if they're kind of indecisive i said take it <laughs> um, but yeah no 100 percent um it's a lot, something that a lot of youth athletes don't do i know i didn't i didn't know about any of this stuff when i played in high school um so yeah it it, it makes a huge difference because you burn through so much mm-hmm. in the first half and you need to if you replace that then it's you know you're starting in the second half closer to 100 percent right. um obviously you're not completely 100 percent, but you're closer to it and that makes a big difference yeah, it's funny, like as we're little kids, right, we get we get uh, halftime oranges or, or whatever, and then yes. as you get older, it's like it goes out the window, and then in college again, it's like you look forward to those halftime snacks. Like it was like 
like everybody wants the halftime snacks and it's like everyone's throwing snacks around at halftime. Yeah. Like, so it's just kind of funny how, how that is. But I think that's huge. A thing that most players don't do at the youth level is, is they don't have those snacks at halftime that I think would really help. So that's awesome. I'm glad that that's something that you agree with is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Cool. Um, and then what about, um, I don't know if this is a myth or not, but I've heard this and the, the, what I've heard is that you shouldn't drink like really, really cold water, that it's better to drink room temperature water uh, for performance because it's harder to digest cold water. Is that total bull crap or what? Is, or is that yeah, I've heard, I have heard about that slightly. Um, I mean, I haven't read into it too much. For the most part, it's there's really not a lot of science to it. It's more what, what works best for you. Okay. Um, and actually, you know, cold water, if it's very hot outside the cold water is better because it cools you down. Yes. Um, and what do you like better? If some people like room temperature or water. So if it's really cold, they're not going to drink a lot of it. Okay. Um, so then in that case, you know, the room temperature is better. Personally, I like cold water. So mm -hmm. cold water is better for me because I'll drink more of it. Um, it's, it's basically what increases, um, you know, what's going to make you drink more. And that's also one of the benefits of sports drinks is that um, since they taste better, you end up drinking more. Right. Um, another benefit of like Gatorade and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, in terms of the temperature of the water, yeah, it's the digestion isn't really, <laughs> it's not a huge factor. So it's not like a scientific fact. <laughs> I mean, there might be a little bit of science to it, but if there's any effect, it'd be very minimal. Okay. And like insignificant basically. Okay. Cause I mean, most, most kids, they come with their, big ice waters and I prefer cold water as well. So I just, right. I remember hearing that a few years ago um, and I was like, okay, I don't know if I believe this or not. So I figured it'd, it'd be a good question to ask you and something that other people might be wondering as well. Yeah, I mean, we put, we put ice in all the water bottles at, um, at Duke. So um, yeah, and they didn't, there, there didn't seem to be any issue there. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I know we're running out of time here. Um, but if you could give our listener like one or two pieces of advice about nutrition, hydration, just for, I guess, general performance and wellness, what would you tell them? Um, so one of the biggest things is always planning ahead. So when you go to school, if you go to training, always have snacks in your backpack, um, healthy snacks, right? So not, you know, chips and junk food. So think, you know, pretzels, um, salted pretzels are great as an athlete. So, um, no harm in having those in your bag. Um, you know, fruit, um, and those quick snacks that you can, you know, if you're hungry during training or if you're on a, in a rush going right to training or in the middle of school day, you have that with you. And second is always having a water bottle on you mm -hmm. and not just on you, but in front of you. So if you're in school and you're allowed to put your water bottle on your desk, don't put it, don't keep it in your backpack. Don't keep it on the floor. Keep it on your desk. Um, and it causes you, that causes you to drink more. Um, that's what, I mean, I, with the college athletes, I say it all the time. If you're at the library studying, put that water bottle right out on the table in front of you in mm -hmm. class. Always do that. Um, if it's there, you'll drink it. If it's not there, you won't think to drink it. Absolutely. So you got it. It's those little things that help you help to remind you of what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Cause I know planning is a huge thing. And with the water, if you, like you just said, if it's not there, you don't think about it. If it is there, you're like, Oh, I'm going to take a drink. So that's awesome. Um, so I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but I know you have, you know, a high school nutrition program or a nutrition program for high school players, and you're thinking about coming out with one in the fall. So mm -hmm. talk to us about like why nutrition specifically for high school players is so important, like during their high school season. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I mean, it really be high school, college, and even middle school too, if they're ready to get into the nutrition. Um, the reason it's so important during the season is, you know, it's different than the off season. Off season, a lot of times you're looking for, you know, weight management or just enhancing your workouts. During the season, you want to, it's all about weight and maintenance. Uh, during the season, we lose a lot. We tend to lose muscle mass because we're not lifting as much, running a lot, mm-hmm. and we tend not to fuel. Um, so with this program, what happens is, you know, it, we have an initial visit and then we, you know, we talk throughout the month. So you can text and email me and then we'll have like a, a quick check-in phone call every month to keep you on track. And, but the biggest part of it is, yeah, being able to text or email me throughout the mm-hmm. season. Um, so like, Hey, like we have, I have a game at this time. Um, you know, but I have class right now or, you know, I have this and that, what should I do to make sure I'm fueled for the game? Or, you know, we have an hour bus trip for our game. Like how, what should I do? Okay. So little things like that. But yeah, the biggest thing about keeping track of your nutrition during the season is, like I said, maintaining that muscle mass, maintaining your energy, and most importantly, um, reducing injury risk. One of my, when I worked at Georgia, one of my supervisors said, your, your primary job during the season is to make sure your players don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and broken bones, stuff like that, concussions, you know, you can't do much about that. But stress fractures, pulled muscles, things like that, those are largely preventable through good nutrition. Um, so my goal is to help you prevent that because you're trying to play in college and you miss a high school season or even a bulk of that season, that's really going to hurt your chances. Um, so I want, you know, make sure you're staying performed. Um, they also, I also saw some the other day that and they did a test and they found that um, players energy levels late in the season, like towards playoffs are much lower than, you know, preseason and, and early season because it's just a long season. They don't get much break. Um, it's a lot of wear and tear. And, you know, playoffs are when you want to be your best. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, too. If you keep track of your nutrition all season, you're going to continue to recover, and you're not going to fall behind and get, you know, feel so sore and all that. So come playoffs, even if you may not have been the best team during the year, um, if your nutrition is better than the other teams, you have that little bit of extra edge, and maybe you win that state tournament. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's the only reason. But, you know, it does make a big difference because if, yeah, if your energy is closer to 100%, um, and that's what this program does. It's, it's not just your typical, you know, one-on-one counseling, you know, all right, let's meet next week. It's For sure. You have an unlimited resource to text or email a sports dietitian about, you know, how to stay fueled during mm-hmm. the season. Um, and I think, you know, that I, I mean, I wish I had something like that because, like I said, my nutrition as a, as a player was really poor. Um, I would eat cheeseburgers for games. I don't think I ate right after games. Um, yeah. And it was, I would feel so sore the next day and I couldn't practice or like my practices were so inefficient. Right. And if you can't practice hard, you're not going to get better. So, yeah. So a lot of factors. So anyone can, you know, whether they're in, in uh, Canada or in California or in Texas, they can work with you through this program, right? Yeah. I mean, everything I do is online. Yeah. So whether it's this program or just general nutrition counseling, yeah, it's, it's all online. Um, flexible awesome. times and all that because um since online you know i don't have like strict hours where i'm in the office um, <laughs> like because i mean i'm in new jersey um you're in california and i could you know meet with someone at 8 p.m my time or even 9 p.m my time you know i finish dinner relax and then i just pop on facetime and let's yeah. meet so that's awesome very convenient yeah awesome so as we bring this podcast to a close where can people you know connect with you find you on social media and where can they learn more about your services yeah. Um, so you can email me. My email is Derek. So D E R E K 
at fcnutritionnj.com. Um, and then you can check me out on Instagram. It's fc underscore nutrition. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what underscore is, <laughs> I'll put them in the show notes too. And then the button, the key <laughs> next to zero, that's the underscore. Um, and then Twitter is at FC Nutrition NJ. Um, okay. so those are good places. I'm spewed out a lot of facts there. Basically, I'll, just, I'll like read research studies. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm, I'll tweet it. <laughs> yeah, I follow so, I follow you on on all platforms, and you yeah. get good info. So definitely check them out on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I'll post all the links in the show notes below, so you don't have to worry about spelling any any of it. Um, but I hope uh, all you listeners got a lot of uh, practical advice out of this episode, as I did. Uh, make sure you follow him on those platforms to continue, you know, to get his advice, um, and make sure you subscribe to the show. And leave us an honest review if this episode brought value to you. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on next week's episode.